Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Medical Matters podcast. My name is Kendall. And I'm Sunil. And we are two medical students interested in learning about all kinds of topics in healthcare while bringing experts to share their knowledge and their stories. We are very excited to be back for our second season and to continue bringing on expert guests with such diverse backgrounds. Speaking of expert guests, today we have Dr. Will Miller with us. Dr. Miller is a recent graduate of our own school, the University of Nevada Reno School of Medicine and is now a first-year resident at Kansas University Ascension via Christie Family Medicine Residency Program. During his time at UNR, Will was very involved in volunteerism and medical education, often offering his time on Saturday mornings to volunteer at the student health clinic and teach the lower-classmen students. His passion for medical education also prompted his own podcast he created, the MedEd Podcast, which is a lecture series of topics in medicine, medical school, and the USMLE. We are sure Dr. Miller's love of teaching remains with him now as a resident. Welcome, Dr. Miller. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. Awesome. So uh, would you prefer that we call you Dr. Miller or Will or Dr. Will? No, no, no. Just call me Will, please. Sounds okay. good. Sounds good. Cool, cool. So uh, just to start off, you know, you just started out at your new residency program this past uh, this past June, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so how has the residency uh, been treating you so far? A residency has been great. Uh, it comes with its own challenges, but... I gotta say, I do. I really enjoy it. It's for, I guess what I want to say is, is that it is so much more fun than medical school. Um, not to put down medical school or anything like that. I really enjoy my time in medical school, but being a doctor, there's just nothing like it. Um, even, even if you are, you know, quote unquote, just a resident, um, it's, it feels really amazing to have this sort of responsibility and, uh, and ability to care for people on such a profound level. I've, I've really loved it. Well, that's awesome to hear. And it's very promising for Sunil and I as second year medical students with a long way to go still. The light is at the end. You know, it's there. You're, you're going to get there. <laughs> the fun comes in, in seven years, or at least three years. <laughs> so, Will, what about family medicine initially attracted you? Um, so, I think that primary care in general, um, just to start from that point, uh, I, I, I really liked primary care because it was a great way to work with a large variety of patients. You're sort of, you're sort of the initial um, person that these, these patients often see before they get sort of distributed out to um, various specialists. And so um, that was the first thing is that I really, I really like seeing a variety of patients. Um, and then family medicine is sort of that on steroids. Um, family medicine in particular, because you see adults, you see pediatrics, you see obstetrics, um, women's health, it's, it's kind of everything. Um, and so that was, that was, uh, one of the major draws for me was the variety. The other thing I think that's really crucial to know about family medicine, uh, is that family medicine, because you do see, various uh, patient populations because you're seeing children, you're delivering babies and then you're caring for the babies um, and you're caring for the mothers as well. Um, Because of that, you are seeing a more holistic picture of a person socially. So it's, it's not just the, the, the health um, sort of, you know, seeing someone within their own little bubble and, and, and uh, taking care of them 
as, you know, a 53 year old adult female, but, you know, as someone's mother or sister or, um, or, or what have you, you know, it's, it's, it's just great because you get to see someone in their full context and take care of them on a, on a very holistic level, ask them about their family and their children. Uh, and because very often you see their children in clinic. So, um, it's, it's just, I don't know how to put it. It's, it's a great experience and it just feels very wholesome to be in family medicine. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really does seem like, yeah, you kind of, you kind of do everything. Like you're, you're the doctor, right. Uh, as, as we like most archetypically think of a doctor. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the, one of the things that we, at least that I, that I believe is like primary care, it is sort of the linchpin of all of medicine, right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's the most integral aspect. Like any, anytime someone gets sick, anytime someone needs care, who do they go to first? Uh, you know, they can go to the ER and, you know, if it is, if it is a really emergent case and that's, you know, totally going to be uh, the best route for them. And if not, then that'll end up in bankruptcy. Um, but otherwise, uh, they're going to end up at their primary care doctor. You know, that's going to be the front line of care. Um, and it just seems like it's such an important aspect of, uh, of, you know, medicine, right? It, it is the forefronts of it. Um, but that being said, you know, one thing I've noticed is that uh, among, among med students, right, when we're choosing residencies, um, there is, there is this idea that, you know, people who, uh, whatever it is, score the highest or the most, um, prestigious by, by whatever measure they, they think, um, should be going into the specialties, right. Should be going to like surgeries, or, like surgery, like ortho or derm or something like that. Mm -hmm. So why do you think there's the stigma specifically against primary care? I mean, just considering how important it actually is. Well, uh, that's, that's actually, that's a really interesting question. And, uh, I think one that's, um, I think there's, there's many ways to answer it. Uh, I think first of all, the, the primary care in general is, is simply, it's, it's not the sexiest. <laughs> it's not, it's not the thing. I mean, it, you don't really watch TV shows. I mean, think about all your doctor shows, uh, on TV, how many are of them, uh, of your, to, you know, outpatient family medicine doc handling diabetes in the office, not too many. Um, and so typically it's going to be, you know, your surgeons, people love the surgeries and the emergencies and the traumas. Um, it's, it's sort of just a, a, a it just, <laughs> it's just a little bit sexier, um, a little bit more fun, I guess, um, from the outset. But that said, um, I think that that's kind of a, a way to sort of brush over a lot of um, any type of field. I mean, every, every field you go into is going to have essentially your very boring bread and butter cases, um, even surgeons, um, and they'll have their bread and butter stuff they do all the time that gets really boring. Uh, and then you have your really exciting stuff that comes in every now and again. Um, and so I think that's part of it. Uh, I also think that another aspect is, and I think this is, actually kind of sad uh, is the the salary the salary undoubtedly in primary care and this is probably honestly the biggest part is is just quite a bit lower than in your other fields so um, for example uh, a a primary care physician uh, in particular a family medicine physician I think that the average salary is about 250,000 whereas your average salary for your orthopedic surgeon is twice that um, so it's, it is something that I think people 
they don't they want to live a certain lifestyle um and uh and be able to do um oh how do i say this just to have a little bit more money and prestige um and uh and and the power that comes with that um it's a very attractive thing um but on the other hand uh i think that you know because i think that's that's also that's that's a very generalized way of seeing people is that they're you know they're just in it for the money and the power but i do think that a lot of people are also drawn to um procedure heavy fields and procedure heavy fields they just pay more they just have they just also happen to have you know um more prestige and so some people just enjoy procedures um i enjoy procedures but i don't want that to be you know 50% of my practice um whereas you know someone that goes into orthopedic surgery they probably do want that um and so i uh i think that it, it's sort of a mixture of that i think some people are just they they really like the procedures uh and so they go into that field and it just so happens that you know it, it pays well and so it's more competitive because more people want to be paid more for for uh their work um and uh Whereas uh, primary care, they'll, they'll end up getting reimbursed quite a bit less. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, and then I think in my experience, people that decide to go into primary care get put down a lot. Um, in my experience, people would question my test scores. Um, one thing that would always get said was um, everyone wants to be an orthopedic surgeon until they get step one back, right? Um, so, uh, and, and that that never occurred for me. And, you know, I, I always wanted to go into primary care and I, uh, and I did fine on my, my step exams. Uh, same with a lot of people in my field, they do just fine, but they just, they want to work with people on the front lines. Um, and it's not the case, you know, necessarily that we did poorly on our board scores and therefore, uh, we went to this field. Um, but it's it's it does it does occur. I mean, to to look the other way from that and to think, you know, that some people don't have their mindset on radiology or neurosurgery, and then they get their board scores back, and now they're applying into family medicine. To think that that doesn't happen, I think is, um, I think that it would be a little bit naive. But I think by and large the people that go into primary care really want to do it and really want to be there. And I do think that by and large, the people that do go into some of those more competitive specialties, they really just, they really want to be there and they really want to do those procedures. So I, I don't think it's really anyone's, I don't think anyone's really the, the enemy here. Uh, I think it's more of just, it, it just worked out that way. They just get paid more. <laughs> and so it's more competitive. And, and so then people think that, you know, you're less competitive because you go to less competitive one. It's, it's all just, it's all just bogus. It doesn't mean anything. It's, it doesn't, it's, it's totally meaningless. No, I mean, you're totally right. It's actually a really good point that you mentioned, uh, particularly. So, okay. The pay difference is something that, that we all, that we all know about, right? Like ortho guys get paid. Um, they get paid in like five yachts a year. Right. And yeah. then, uh, a primary care doctor, uh, doesn't, you know, they get paid a, a more, uh, regular salary. Um, so that, I guess that differential, uh, I, I think to some extent, do you think that, that kind of the, the pay difference itself kind of contributes to the prestige difference, just the fact that the pay differential is so much? Absolutely. I mean, it has to, I mean, um, you get bigger houses, fancier cars, 
to and 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 then you know on top of that the you know you you do have the job that just you know people people like to make fun of my job because i i go in and i manage you know diabetes um but they go in and they replace a knee or something like that and yeah you know i'll admit it does sound cooler um but it's we're all working together to save lives and improve lives i mean at the end of the day that's that's what we're doing here i don't i don't look down on them uh, and honestly really any surgeon um that i work with that's is being rational <laughs> it, um, they don't they don't view primary care that way either they, they view us as, as integral parts uh, of the healthcare system we all work together as a team um, so yeah I, I, I yes the mo- <laughs> the money is a funny thing it makes people do funny things and act in funny ways um, and it does add to the prestige but uh, but you know there's there's more there is more to life and more to practice than money yeah, that's that's a really beautiful response about primary care and just the outlook towards medicine. And it's really interesting how you mentioned the prestige and how much of it is contributed by the media. You know, thinking about um, the TV shows that you mentioned and, and how people are attracted to those um, exciting or those big procedures and those surgeries, um, and they might not really have um, an entire glimpse of what primary care is really about. So, on that end, are there any overlooked challenges of family medicine that you've faced since being an intern, or are there any challenges that you yourself um, did not expect since starting residency? Ooh, um, yes, there are. The thing is, is, is it's really, and, and you'll both see soon enough, it's, there, there's nothing that can ever prepare you for residency. There's just absolutely nothing. Um, and the funny thing is, is that you work alongside residents, um, third and fourth year you'll be right next to them and you'll see what they're doing but you'll never and they'll tell you they'll tell you this is this is what I wish I would have known but it, it doesn't change it you you just kind of have to experience it um one thing was the uh the amount of documentation in primary care is it is a lot um it is something that I was told was going to be a lot it is it is a massive amount of documentation so I do think that uh, for primary care, that's that is a major hurdle um, for a lot of primary care physicians. Um, is is purely just the amount of work we do, working with insurance companies, trying to get prior authorizations. Uh, a lot of times, I'm on the phone uh, on hold with an insurance company because I can't get one of my patients uh, their medications, and um, and she just you know recently had this surgery and she really needs these proton pump inhibitors, um, but I can't get them for her. Um, because her insurance company doesn't cover that particular um, proton pump inhibitor for whatever reason. Um, and, and the thing is, is that you don't get any warning about it. Uh, as a physician, they don't tell you that that's not going to work out. Uh, it just sort of happens. Uh, the other day, I got uh, a message from a, uh, a company saying that they weren't going to pay for imaging unless I responded within two days. Um, so they gave me two days to respond, but the message hadn't even, I mean, they they'd sent it and by the time it arrived at my office it had I mean those two days had passed I mean it's, it's just sort of yeah it's, it's sort of a it's sort of a ridiculous thing and then and then I have to go through an appeal process anyway so in order to battle for my patients like I really want to and really want them to get the care that they deserve uh, it requires this it, I have to go above and beyond and spend a lot of my free time on the phone and doing work to get them um, to get them these these things uh, it's it's quite frustrating um, and so, 
you know, a, a lot of what I end up doing ends up being, you know, um, kind of managing insurance companies and managing uh, my administrators and things like that, um, trying to work with them uh, to make sure that I'm doing documentation correctly. So it's, there's just a lot of red tape. I, I'd say that that's probably the biggest, most frustrating thing in the world. That said, they just changed a lot of the billing uh, for us uh, in primary care. And it is amazing. Uh, it, it has really made things easier for us. And so, you know, small changes like that can happen uh, in, in healthcare policy. And it, it just, it dramatically reduces our workload. Uh, I'll give you an example. We used to have to um, pay careful attention that we hit certain, uh, a certain number of physical exam um, uh, points. We'd have to, you know, cover so many systems in our physical exam as well as in our review of systems uh, in order to bill at a certain level um, for uh, for Medicare. Uh, and now that has changed um, to the point where now we bill based off of patient complexity, um, and then eventually after residency, I could bill off of time, uh, time spent. And that time can include, you know, preparing for the patient, being on call, you know, calling the insurance company and trying to take care of all that stuff. Uh, and so that can be included in my billing, which is, which is just, it's, it's a game changer. Um, so, so yes, there are these little tiny bureaucratic things and, and it's like, it's, it's death by, you know, just a million little paper cuts, uh, all the time, but still even still it's it's such a great field because you know what other field is there where you get to go and see you know i i get to see in the same day a newborn uh and then i get to do an i you know uh an ob exam and and do an ultrasound and do the first ultrasound where she gets to the mother gets to hear her baby's heartbeat for the first time and in the same in the same day that i'm going over to the 70 year old gentleman and managing his uh hypertension and diabetes it's just it's just amazing and and uh, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, in terms of complexity of family medicine, um, one thing that is just just bar none difficult in family medicine is the breadth of knowledge that you have to have. Now you don't typically have to have that much depth of knowledge. As soon as as soon as something kind of starts to head down, you know, one field uh, pretty deeply, um, you know, gastroenterology or, or nephrology or something like that, you can just sort of, you can just refer them. Um, but uh, you still have to know, you have to know a little bit of every field to know what is worthy of being referred in the first place. Um, and you also have to know a little bit uh, about every field so that you can manage what is not worthy of being referred. Um, that's really challenging. I, I mean, you you two uh, have not yet studied for step one. Is that correct? Not yet. No. Yeah. So when you start with that, when you start studying for step one uh, and step two, and, and everyone you know listening that has done that will be able to kind of sympathize with this a little bit. But it's such a broad amount of knowledge that you have to know. It's difficult to keep everything in your head. That's kind of the way I feel in family medicine all the time. Is that I'm just trying to keep track of. Um, tons and tons of information uh you know that um that a lot of people just they don't need to focus on a pediatrician doesn't really need to know anything about um you know 
well, now they need to know more about type two diabetes, but before they didn't, you know, um, and they don't, they just, you know, and then some don't, some are like specializing in adolescent medicine now, and some are, don't even see adolescents. And so, you know, and the ones that don't see adolescents, you know, they really wouldn't have to worry about a lot of, you know, sexually transmitted diseases and et cetera, et cetera. So it just, it, it you know, it's just by changing your patient demographics, it cuts out a massive amount of things that you need to know and a massive amount of things that you need to do. Um, so I'll say that those are the two things that, that surprised me and shouldn't have surprised me about family medicine, but still surprised me just by the amount of difficulty and the burden that it caused was number one, the paperwork and number two, um, the, the breadth of knowledge that you need to, you need to, um, continue sort of building off of in order to be a good physician for everyone that comes through your door. Yeah. It sounds very comparable to emergency medicine. You know, they call that the, um, mile wide, inch deep specialty. And it sounds that's very similar for primary care where you just have to know everything about everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and some people, and it's funny because it's funny that you say that because, um, and, and a lot of emergency docs, they get, they get kind of burnt out and frustrated because they, a lot of emergency docs don't want to go into primary care. Um, they want to do emergency medicine, but, um, because of, uh, the fact that a lot of people end up going to the emergency room for primary care problems, uh, a lot of issues you, you see in the emergency room are actually primary care problems. Um, so they end up being a lot of primary care docs, and and that's not what they really you know wanted to go into. Um, and so yeah, it, it actually it is very comparable. Um, and uh, even in it's in so that you say that that family medicine doctors actually some do go into um, emergency care practice, and they will practice um, solely emergency medicine. Uh, they won't even do outpatient medicine because there are there are so many similarities actually. Yeah, because I know back in the day, a lot of the time, in particular in Reno. A lot of family docs would practice in an ER just because, mm -hmm. yes, you know, they felt like the purview uh, was similar enough. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, I, so so two things about what you mentioned uh, previously. So one, the the paperwork aspect, right? Um, it's you know, it's I think it's it plagues really most specialties, if not every specialty. I don't think there's a, like, I can't think of a single um, like aspect of medicine, like a single field. Um, that doesn't have to deal with the bureaucracy aspect. I mean, it really is, it really is just like a sad thing to see uh, how much time it takes away from doctors. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in so many other countries, it's just not a thing. You know, uh, a doctor might spend maybe a 10th of his day doing paperwork in America. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know how much it is. It could be as much as a fourth, if not more so. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's just a crazy amount. Um, I mean, the idea of just dealing with like all these different insurance companies and having to juggle them back and forth um, and really just to advocate for your patient, that sounds like a, a really troubling thing. Um, like one thing, one thing that I've been trying to uh, kind of advocate for um, in like sort of policy work is, is compensating, uh, compensating doctors for the time that you guys are spending doing all the paperwork. Mm -hmm. um, it makes no sense why, you know, you're spending half an hour per patient um, just charting something, but you're getting paid nothing. Like that's, it's very strange. Um, the other thing you mentioned, like just how much breadth of knowledge that you guys need to have as, you know, as, as family doctors. Um, and, you know, I don't want to go into like admiration towards any one particular specialty, but, you know, just thinking about how much you guys actually do. Um, it does seem like inherently there is, there is a good deal of prestige in knowing so much, like just knowing um, this, this wide variety. It's honestly as useful as knowing a lot about 
it's like the the jack of all trades versus uh, master of one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that being said, like one one thing that that I've been tracking recently is a change in in how and how we reimburse um, providers, how we re- reimburse physicians. Um, in the past, it used to be a fee for service system, basically where if you came in uh, to get a test, uh, a procedure. Um, something done, like something specifically done, then you would get paid for that. Um, and I guess what we're transitioning to now uh, with Medicare, Medicaid, a lot of private insurance plans is like a managed care plan where you're more so paid for the health of the patient as opposed to just individual procedures. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, have you kind of heard any any buzz uh, about, you know, maybe what that could mean for uh, for primary care, like for family med? Um, because, you know, my, my take on it is that you know, it could actually increase the prestige of the field because it'll potentially increase the pay um, of primary care doctors. You know, uh, I, I don't know that I can really speak to that um, so much. Uh, it's, it's not something that we get to focus on much as residents, uh, at least not at first, um, maybe closer to the end of our residency. Um, we start to become more experienced with uh, practice models and and that sort of thing. At the moment, um, it's it's you know it's difficult enough just learning how to 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 be a doctor. Um, and so uh, I, I have heard of these things on the horizon. In in particular, this uh, idea of uh, you know one one big movement for family medicine is this. Uh, this direct patient care model. Uh, There's many models out there. Um, And so, you know, I I haven't heard enough that I can really speak to anyone uh, and provide anything useful for your listeners, I don't think. Yeah, no worries. Um, Yeah, I mean, just uh, because, you know, I think it it could potentially, it could potentially change uh, things for, you know, how we, like how how we select specialties later on. one thing I've heard is that if if this whole transition does um, materialize, like as um, as we expect, or at least as we might hope, um, primary care might be paid as much as a lot of specialists would, and that's oh. in a lot of countries. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I mean, yes. I mean, I can I can only speculate as as everyone else. But I mean, the thing is, is that um, not that long ago, you know, emergency medicine was not a particularly um, I guess I don't want to say um, it wasn't a very competitive field in the sense that there weren't a lot of people applying into it. Um, well, that's changed quite a bit, as I'm sure you've seen. Uh, it's, it's very competitive now. Um, and now psychiatry, for example, is is on the rise. It's becoming more competitive as they become uh, m- more well reimbursed. And then that makes a lot of sense, right? Because um, psychiatry is almost no procedures. Uh, and so um, when you have a model that tends to reimburse only procedures, uh, then of course that would make sense that they they weren't a popular choice um, that long ago. But now they're being reimbursed more. Um, it is becoming it's it's becoming more popular. But the the other thing I think that we need to be careful not to overlook um, is the idea of lifestyle, a lifestyle and uh, and, and then fulfillment, fulfillment in your job. Because I think that more and more, you know, newer generations are less concerned about uh, how expensive their car is. And, uh, you know, and how often 
you know, they're more concerned now about how often they get to drive it and whether they get to have a family or um, enjoy the things they, they like, you know, um, as far as I'm aware, you know, my, my parents and, and a lot of people's parents weren't really big into the whole um, world travels and, and all that, but, but my generation very much uh, enjoys traveling across the world. Um, and so, so I think that, I think that lifestyle uh, and um, and and the ability to you know go home at the end of a day um, without um, you know having to worry about being called in or, or you know having a really high on-call burden or a high shift burden, I, I think it's becoming more important to people as uh, as time goes on. So uh, you know I think you're right about the reimbursement for sure. As, as as any field gets reimbursed more and as these models change and they do change and and you'll see one. One field can get can become suddenly, you know, a desert uh, because they just suddenly they're not paying for this particular procedure and that was or, or paying as much for it. Uh, and that was their bread and butter. Uh, that's happened and it goes up and down. And so it's, it's really best just to do what you love at the end of the day. Um, the, the money will come and go and it'll go up and down. We, we all get reimbursed quite well. Yeah. even at the bottom earners of all physicians we get reimbursed very very well um but uh uh i think that uh it's important just to kind of keep in mind that um that yeah that these things change they change and, and you should just do what you love do what you love and and try and get you know fulfillment out of your job yeah, that's really interesting that you mentioned the lifestyle and the the transition to focusing more on um, personal life rather than work. And I've actually heard about a gradual change in the coming years about less students interested in medical school, even in its entirety, because of the burden and the sacrifices that come with it and with the, the amount of years of studying and such. Um, but it's definitely some changes that we will be interested in seeing in the coming years. But on that note, speaking on changes, so as a family medicine doctor, you are often at the forefront of most ailments and you aid in screening and facilitating preventive measures to avoid the development of disease. And in light of this, it would be reasonable to assume that many healthcare policies directly affect your specialty. Mm -hmm. So broadly speaking, are there any current healthcare policies or changes that are in debate that would impact your work the most? Oh my goodness. I mean, it's, it's an ever changing landscape for us uh, on primary care. Um, in primary care, um, anytime the USPSTF comes out with a new recommendation, it kind of flips things upside down for us. So, um, and usually they, they don't make such large movements that that's, that's a very big deal for us, but it does, it does change the way we practice. Um, when they come out with new recommendations. And of course we have, um, there are hundreds of societies that all come out with different recommendations and we have our own. Um, and um, which is by the way, the American Academy of Family Physicians or AAFP. Um, and, and usually they will sort of uh, give recommendations uh, among all the recommendations given. Um, so, so, that I can think of, is there anything that's that's really on the horizon that's that's gonna um, really change things for us? Um, you know, 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know that there really is uh, a lot. Um, I know that there may be big changes coming up with it, I mean, these are all these seem very small. It's funny because I think to the listeners, they wouldn't really care about this. But um, but uh, the American Cancer Society, for example, um, gave new recommendations um, regarding um, uh, cervical cancer screening in women, which, uh, you know, you would think, well, that's you know, oh, whatever, but that's, that's a game changer. If I have to screen um, my patients, you know, every three year versus five years or, or whatever recommendations they give um, uh, it, or versus, you know, do I do cytology alone, which is what the American Cancer Society recommended versus, um, versus using, um, versus using HPV um, only uh, detection assays. Uh, it, it, when it's, when it's a massive portion of what you do as a physician, those little tiny changes amount to a significant amount of uh, uh, change in your practice and the way you do things. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think I see anything on the horizon that really many listeners that aren't in primary care would be able to appreciate. Um, but, uh, but I haven't been too involved in, you know, um, <laughs> paying attention to the latest news or anything like that with regards to uh, primary care. And I try to avoid a lot of the news. It's, it's just, <laughs> all, right? Um, so, okay, well, we want to bring you on one because you're awesome. And two, because we feel like uh, primary care deserves um, a spotlight, you know, because it is so under-recognized and appreciated. Um, so, you know, we, we just wanted to, to conclude off the episode um, with asking you if, if there are any uh, pearls of wisdom that you want to leave us with, uh, leave our listeners with who might potentially be interested in family medicine or are just entertaining the option. Yeah. Um, so I think that, I think that it's important for people that are thinking about, um, what kind of special they want to go into, whatever specialty they want. Um, they should really consider more than the money and the prestige and, and all of that, what, what it is that they, they hope to have accomplished at the end of their career. So I try to, I try to think a lot about um, what I would like my retirement to look like in, in the lives I've touched. Um, and uh, if that means for you that, um, you know, you need to be, you need to be physically, um, you know, operating on someone and, and fixing their vessels, then by all means, you should be a surgeon, be a surgeon. Okay. Um, but if it is more about sitting down with your patients and talking with them, motivating them, um, and uh, and cheering them on as you uh, as you get them to to improve the, their lives and truly and, and and I mean improve their lives. I don't mean you know you fix a piece of them. I mean you really improve them as a person. Uh, if if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, then I would recommend primary care. Uh, the other thing is, is that you truly become, you know, very good friends with many of your patients. I mean, it, you just feel, it's just, it is a different thing. It, it, it feels like a job, but some of these people come in and, and you are just so excited to see them. Um, you are so excited and they're excited to see you. Um, and it feels like, it just feels like you are, you're really important to someone. Um, and so that's one thing I would say about family medicine. The other thing is that, you know, one thing that I love is I can answer 
all of my friends and my family's questions. Like I can, I can answer all their questions, which is, uh, which is such a great feeling. Um, I, I can't imagine it would be so frustrating for me personally, and this isn't true for everyone. It would be frustrating for me personally um, to go into medicine and tell everyone that I'm a doctor, but then, you know, when it comes time to talk about, um, you know, someone's heart disease, uh, and then I'd have to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know. I forgot about that, you know, 15 years ago. Um, for me, that would be that that would be difficult. Um, and I'm not putting down anyone that, you know, that that feels differently. But but for me, it's just it's just so satisfying to be able to answer um, the important questions for my friends and family and be able to take care of all the important things. And then lastly, I just, there is the, the, um, the difficult part with family care, family practice is, is definitely the, the, the paperwork and working with EMRs and trying to battle insurances all the time. Um, but, you know, you never know how that stuff might change, number one. Uh, and number two, despite all of that, it just and I've, I haven't been doing it for that long, but it just feels so worth it. Even when I've been just working myself to the bones um, on uh, some of my uh, inpatient uh, blocks, um, it, is, it is just, it's just so fun to be able to, um, to be able to spread myself out like this and to be able to stretch myself mentally uh, and to be able to uh, take care of such a wide range of patients and to be able to experience different walks of life. You get to, it just gives you so much perspective on your own life. It gives you so much perspective on what there is to really appreciate in life. You know, when you see new life and you see people at the end of their lives and you get confronted with that every day, um, it's just, it just makes you grapple life and, and the way you live it um, so differently. And it's been such a, I don't know, uh, it's been a real life changer for me. And so I, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's a great field. It, it really is. It doesn't, it, it comes with its own uh, negatives as does every field. And, and yes, it is not, it, it won't, I sincerely doubt there'll be that many TV shows about what I do in the future, but that's fine. I, that's not something I care that much about. Um, it's, it is, it's such a good field and it is such a good feeling at the end of the day. Um, all the things that I've been able to do for my patients. Absolutely. And I, I think like at the end of the day, we have all the representation we need uh, with Dr. Doolittle. You know, I think this guy, uh, he represents us well. Um, but, <laughs> you know, um, so Dr. Dr. Will, I want to thank you uh, for taking the time out to have a chat with us. Um, <laughs> I feel like you know you might you might have just swayed a few minds towards primary care, uh, including my own. Um, <laughs> to our listeners, um, if you guys get the chance, I want you to check out Will's podcast. Uh, it's called the Med Ed Podcast. Yeah, um, and this thing is amazing. Um, it actually might just help some of you guys a step. Uh, it's got like a ton of content about step step one. Is it primarily focused on step one? So it's. It's always changing. <laughs> I I I uh, I I do um, focus a lot on step one, and and really what it's going to be is it's it's just going to be a big focus on everything that I end up doing in medicine that I experience in family medicine, which honestly is a lot of step 
one and step two. Um, I've, I've shifted more towards step two now, actually, now that step one has become pass fail. And so step two tends to be um, and, and will grow to be the more important exam um, out, of, out of the three. And so, um, and so I think because people will be more focused on that uh, and because I do think it is the better test personally, um, then uh, that I've shifted my focuses more towards clinical practice uh, and step two. Beautiful. Cool. Um, and then also our shows uh, post once a month. So uh, stay tuned for our next episode in October. Uh, should be coming roughly middle, uh, middle of October. Uh, and I want to thank all of you guys for joining us. And this has been Medical Matters.